Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Well, hello, welcome to episode 10 of the Future Bonks Creators. Uh, for those of you not watching live, Barrett had a ridiculous face to kick us off as usual. Yeah, there, there it is again. All right, uh, today our topic is on mastermind groups. More specifically, how to surround yourself with remarkable people. Remarkable people who can help you uh, grow your business, accomplish what you want, and just help you stay sane and get through stressful times. Uh, Barrett, welcome to the show. How you doing? Why, thank you. Uh, I'm pretty good, you know. It's Monday. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but the uh, the weeks have felt quite long lately. So I'm hoping that this one passes smoothly, that uh, people stay safe, they stay healthy. Um, but let's see, this weekend I... <laughs> Oh man, it's bad to laugh at a joke before you tell it. It's actually not a joke is the sad thing. It's just from your life. So um, we have a very small (laughs) lawn at our house. Okay, very small. There's just like a little strip right by the sidewalk out front. And then we have a little bit of a bigger one in the back. Well, I have this romantic idea of gardening and everything. And I really enjoy using my hands, which I know you like with woodworking too, because we use our brains and fingertips for typing all week. Um, so I just decided I'm going to get a manual reel mower for our lawn here at home and some hand shears to edge by hand. Cause I don't want, yeah. I don't want like gas powered tools. Right. No, that makes sense because it's just not, there's not enough space for it to make sense. Then I got to worry about gas and oil. And you know, I had a lawn business in high school. It's too much work. So anyways, I got out front and I trimmed the lawn by hand. And I got to say, it was kind of nice. I like got the squares around our two um, trees out front perfect again. Okay. I just sat out there and enjoyed it. Um, got a little fresh air in between the rainstorms. So anyways, that was what I did this weekend. What'd you well, do this weekend? <laughs> We're not moving on that quickly. <laughs> um, okay. So I understand the push lawnmower, right? That yep, it spins yep. the blades based on pushing movement. I'm familiar with those. Mm -hmm. And then is it just a pair of scissors for the edges or or are we more sophisticated than that? I'm not sure. Well, they're called lawn shears. Wait, lawn shears are a thing? Oh yeah. Okay. I feel like there was a movie. Is this going to be your resource of the day? Lawn shears? I feel like there might have, (laughs) yes. I feel like there might've been an Adam, Adam Sandler movie where there's someone like Billy Madison, maybe there's a guy with lawn shears or something. Anyways, they're just, yeah, they're, they're scissors, but they're made for the lawn. Okay. So they cut, they cut grass well. And so you just kind of go right along the edge of the sidewalk and you trim it and it looks really nice and square afterwards. Nice. It was very satisfying. I like it. I like it. Um, okay. So <laughs> Sorry. I'm just imagining you like kneeling down on the ground, just like. And like some neighbor walking by. That, that is literally what happened. But having to move away because you're next to the sidewalk and they can't come within six feet. The difference though is that it's like everyone in the neighborhood walked by because that's the only thing people can do right now. And so I'm convinced the whole neighborhood just probably thinks I'm like this anal retentive, you know, gardener person and they better not let their dog pee on my lawn or something, which 
You know, that's fine if they want to think that. That is a totally fine outcome. Well, I also did some gardening this weekend. We got a couple rows of a garden planted. So spent some time doing that. It rained yesterday, so I didn't do as much there. But uh, yeah, then I spent probably eight or 10 hours on the tiny house this weekend. So that was good. If you follow me on uh, Instagram, I posted a photo of some nice looking countertops and a ladder and I don't know what else. But yeah, um, so I'm good. Yeah, ready to dive into the week. I realized we didn't give colors. That's the whole shtick. Oh, I'm I'm green right now. I'm green now. I I'm green. I think I was yellow earlier, but now after laughing at the lawn story, like I'm for sure green. That's kind of how I feel. You know, you get the grass clippings; they're green, and here we are. <laughs> That's right. Which is also the tea that you're drinking is made from grass clippings. So hey, no. nah. Wow, we're on a roll today. This is going to be something special. <laughs> at least we've only wasted four minutes of your time so far. Oh Lord. All right. Well, we're both green. Uh, hopefully you're all doing well as well. I guess we should do an obligatory number and state of the world check-in. Yes. Uh, the New York Times, We you always pull up the uh, Johns Hopkins University one, which I think is more regularly up to date. But New York Times, as of this morning, had us at 144,000 cases in the US. So we are rapidly continuing to grow. President Trump extended the social distancing recommendations across the country through April 30th, which is, you know, for the current government, that's a big move based on how they had been talking about things, which I think is a positive development. But I think it also shows how serious things are at this point, that they would be willing to extend it all the way through the end of April. Other interesting news coming out of Japan, which was held up as this like unicorn scenario. Um, In fact, someone was chastising me on Twitter about the fact that we could take a different approach like Japan. And I said, well, it doesn't seem like there's anything to learn from other than that they've done very little. And uh, pretty much as soon as they announced delay of the Olympics, the case numbers started shooting up. So I'm not going to say that's causative or correlated, but I'm just going to say it's pretty weird. Oh, man. I I think it's going to be interesting maybe a year from now, five years from now or something is like, or maybe we fast forward a lot further. Right. Um, and our kids are reading in their history books about this time period. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a whole section or something on like government purposeful use of misinformation to accomplish what they need. Right. So like on on mask usage, right? Like masks don't do anything. They're not any good. Um, and also we're saying that so you don't hoard the masks, you know, or like we want the Olympics to still happen. So see, our numbers are still really low. Oh, just kidding. Okay. The Olympics are off. Okay. Well, here's some higher numbers. It'll be interesting. Yes. I think there's a lot of that. One thing that we did over the weekend that was really helpful was, I don't know if if this is really nerdy or what, but like define our social distancing guidelines, our quarantine guidelines, because uh, we've been, you know, staying at home and making a lot of decisions on a one-off. Like, are we going to go to the store under what circumstances? What, you know, can we see family members who are also quarantined? We have uh, a few family members in our quarantine bubble where we just hang out with each other and that's it. But then like, can we introduce more family members into this? You know, how quarantined are they? And we finally just sat down and like hashed it all out and and defined that as a family. And it was really helpful because it moved all these one-off decisions to like a set system and it made things a lot less stressful. Yeah. Anytime you can, um, maybe that'll be an episode at some point, but anytime you can turn uh, one-off decisions into a decision-making system. Mm-hmm. It just reduces a bunch of that overhead on an ongoing basis. Okay, cool. Let's get into our topic. Our topic of the day is mastermind groups. And uh, mastermind groups are near and dear to our heart because that is how we grew close over a number of years. 
So maybe we'll kick things off just kind of sharing why we talk about this and where that comes from for us, a little bit of history there, and then uh, get into some of our recommendations for how to find one of your own. So yeah, you want to start us off with kind of the the history? Yeah. So in 2012, I went to uh, World Domination Summit, first like blogging conference that I'd been to any of that world. I was like starting a blog. I was getting into all of this and went to the event. And I remember being super shy and introverted and, and then like deciding, okay, I have to meet people this weekend. Like I don't know anybody here. I can't go through a whole weekend of like a thousand amazing people here and like only meeting people who say hi to me. And so I like got, you know, went and registered and like kind of tried to see if there were people around to talk to, but everyone was in a conversation. And then like just across the street from uh, registration, I saw two tall bald guys just standing there talking. They were very similar in appearance, both ridiculously tall and completely bald. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, all right, they, I'll go, go over and talk to them. So I walked over and introduced myself and joined their conversation. And then they invited me to the meetup that they were heading to next, which I had seen in the app for the event. I thought, okay, maybe I would check that out. And they're like, oh, we actually are headed there as well. And, and it was uh, Caleb Wojcik and James Clear. And then the meetup that I went to was the Think Traffic meetup, which later became Fizzle and, and everything else. And then I think, Barry, you and I met a little later that same evening because you'd already met Caleb. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I had met Caleb and Corbett and I think I went to the Think Traffic meetup maybe. Okay. At that point, I had already interviewed Corbett, who I ended up working with later on a podcast of mine. And so he kind of ended up being the entry point for me. And I met Caleb through him who, because Caleb was working for So Caleb Wojcik is a videographer and well, actually mostly he's a YouTuber now who teaches about videography, mm-hmm. um, but he's also uh, an artist on his own. And then um, Corbett has been around a long time. He ran a couple of startups back in the day, had a site called thinktraffic.net and then fizzle.co where I worked before I came to ConvertKit. So those were, that was the origins of all of this stuff right. there that evening. Yeah. And it was all on the same day. Cause I actually remember you and Nicole at the opening party later that night, I think, which is when we met and like just dancing at the opening party and hanging out and having a good time. And, uh, you know, it was just like this, this group. And that was, we didn't know it at the time, but that was the start of our mastermind group. Yep. And so coming out of that, we ended up with, um, I think a group of five of us, I want to say it was me, you, Caleb, a guy named Nathan Agan, mm-hmm. and then two women named Krista Stryker and Shannon. Oh, wow. I'm blanking on my friend Shannon's last name. Yeah. I can't remember. And yeah, we got, we got kicked off there. And so what that ended up turning into was, I think it was like a five year, we still kind of get together on trips, but we don't meet as often, but we basically, um, had this group of five people and a couple of people rotated out and a couple of people rotated in, but that met every week for years on end. Eventually we kind of went to every other week and somewhere along the way we started hosting retreats and those have become some of our closest friends now. So today, I think the reason we wanted to talk about this is that was maybe the single most impactful thing that we all did together in terms of motivating one another, holding each other accountable, and just being cheerleaders for one another's work because the creator journey is, it's scary, it's hard, it's easy to doubt yourself, it's sometimes hard to know which direction to go in. And um, having a group of peers who are on that journey with you, or alongside you at least, who know what it feels like and can see your work more objectively than you can, can just be a really powerful way to force you to keep going. I've had a few people say to me, 
we'll post these photos of one of our mastermind weekends or something that we do. And it's usually, you know, the photo of the whole group uh, together. And like in that group is like uh, Baron Quadro and Sean McCabe and James Clear and and Caleb and you and I and Ryan Delk and, and others. And, you know, you look at this and people go like, wow, you got so lucky to get like end up in that group, the group of such successful people. And I realized it's actually thinking about it backwards. Like it's not chance that even if you just take, uh, say like James and myself, right. It's not chance that we happen to find each other and all of that. It's that everybody invested so much in that group that it raised everybody. So it wasn't like we got lucky in who we discovered. It's that we were incredibly intentional about working really, really hard and, and curating the group as well. But putting together a group of people where every week, every month we were investing in each other's businesses and raising the tide of everything. Yeah. And I think it's, it would be revisionist history to say, oh, wow, how'd you meet all those people? Cause we're all still relative nobodies. But when we met, I mean, we were nobodies, right? You know, I think James was probably the most well-known because he had an audience of 10,000 or something like that. Yeah. I think it was trending towards 10,000 for a site called passivepanda.com. We're revealing all of our friends' <laughs> secrets right now. Um, Okay. So let's start with, um, what is a mastermind group? And the way I would define a mastermind group is a group of, let's call it four to seven peers on a similar journey together with similar goals who meet on a regular basis to hold each other accountable. I think that's the simplest way I can define it. And it's not much more complicated than that, but finding those people can be really challenging. So When we think about how to go find those people, I think the first thing you've got to really do some self-discovery on is what do you want from a group like this? What is your intention and what is your commitment going to be to a group like this? Because it's a commitment in and of itself on, in addition to the benefits, you've got to show up and be there for people. So Nathan, when you think back, you know, I don't know that we necessarily went into it intentionally saying, I'm going to form a mastermind group, but we're teaching people to do that. So if you had to think back what would you have wanted from a group at the time that we got started? Yeah. So the first thing I would do is as close as I can try to define where I'm going, right? Cause you want to find people who are trying to go to roughly the same place that you are. And so if I look back at those early days where I was trying to go is earning a living from, from my own audience, basically selling products online. And so I, you know, I even remember like talking to Caleb and he was fully in that space of, um, working for Corbett at Think Traffic, and and you know he was following Pat Flynn, and I remember being like Pat, who, and and like Caleb giving me this look, like what? You, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, Pat Flynn, he's this uh, this blogger. You should check him out. Um, and so in doing that, right, and finding people trying to go to the same place that I was, then we, I ended up with people who said like, oh, we'll also check out this resource, and you know we're all uh, largely in the same spot. So the first thing is to find where you want to go and, and then also your starting point, right? Cause you don't want to get people who are at vastly different um, areas that they're starting from. Uh, and then I'd start to look in your existing network. Uh, maybe it's not just who you're friends with, but who you follow on Twitter, like who's you're like, yeah, we're in enough friends. Right. But they're kind of one, like if you're honest with yourself, they're actually outside that circle. I have a lot of friends like that. Um, <laughs> But if you start to look at those and say, okay, who out of this group um, matches my values, where I'm at and where I'm trying to go. And those are, you don't start out by saying like, Hey, do you want to join a mastermind group? 
But that's you start to think, okay, this is the kind of person that I'm looking for that I would resonate with and we could really help each other. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to, uh, if I were going to like start today and not related to our work on ConvertKit, but maybe I think of myself as a writer, you know, in terms of my creator identity, that's very much where I spend my thinking time. I would look for other essayists and, and I use the t- term essay because I think, uh, number one, it indicates a certain level of ego in terms of how important your writing is. But I think it's also a good indicator of the intention behind the writing. When I think of writing essays, I think about something that's meant to curate and compile facts in a compelling argument towards some outcome or around some topic. And I'm really fascinated by things like updates to the education system that will produce much better outcomes for adults, not just you know, kids on test today, mm-hmm. or how we combat climate change in a proactive way that doesn't completely interrupt e- economies and things like this. And so I'd be looking for other people writing long form, interesting essays, because I want other people who take their writing seriously to be critiquing my work. And I also want to be inspired by that kind of work, which I would be by critiquing their work as well. So I'd be looking for people like that who could hold me accountable, who have a standard of work that's very similar to mine and that are exploring not the same topics, but topics with a similar level of rigor and research and all of that. So um, by sharing that, my hope is that that just kind of sparks something for you. What's your equivalent basically in terms of who you're looking for? Yeah, that's good. And then I think the next question becomes, okay, so how do I find them? And you got into a little bit of this a minute ago, Nathan. I've got a couple tips here. The first one I'll share, and then I'd love to hear more of your thoughts is um, I, for, I don't know, a year maybe I had a podcast. At the time, my uh, business was called the uh, Living for Monday. And it was on this premise that I think everyone who uh, is aware enough to even want to listen to something like that should be able to find work that's very meaningful to them. And I had a podcast where I wanted to interview people about finding meaningful work, either because they were doing work that they found meaningful or they had advice for people on finding it. And it turned out that that podcast became a really valuable way for me to meet people because it's very flattering to be asked to be on a podcast. And for many people, I mean, unless they're like top tier, literally have no time, a lot of people will say yes, even without knowing how big your audience is. Um, You know, you've got to get a little better at it if they're like really a well-known famous person. But um, I found that that was a really great way to actually meet people who went on to become friends over time. Like I can look back at my podcast guest list and I can, I'll post a link in the show notes to that. Um, cause it's still on the internet somewhere. And almost all of those people are now close friends of mine, um, or at least acquaintances that I can get in touch with if I ever have questions. So starting a podcast and interview show is actually ironically a great way to meet people for the first time who might end up becoming peers of yours uh, as time goes on. So that would be one of my tips. Yeah. The other one that I'd add is going to conferences. Um, I think that's obvious from our story that we shared, but that was such a, a way to find like-minded people and to cut through so much noise. And the other thing is that it, it gave us this list of people who were willing to show up, right? Cause there's a difference between someone who's like, yeah, maybe, you know, in, in your example, uh, a great writer, I'm really focused on my craft, but actually one thing reason I like writing is because I never talk to people and I hide away in my mountain cabin. And so then you're like, do you want to join a mastermind group? They're like, hell no. Like what part of what I just said did you not understand? But at the conference, you know, you get this group of people who are eager to learn, eager to connect and meet other people. And they're actually showing up uh, largely with the same goals. 
Like I'm not just here to learn from people on stage, but I'm here to connect with other people who can help me in my journey. And so that's like when you're at that conference, when we as a society do conferences again, you know, you can go about and uh, connect with people with that knowledge that, that, okay, I came to meet people and actually you all did too. So I'm doing us both a favor when I walk up and introduce myself. Uh, but that gave me a thought about like online conferences. Uh, I think you could do, I actually think right now this could work well. If you started, if you did like a round table series, maybe you live stream it, maybe you don't, but you go to your Twitter network and find people who are at roughly the same place where maybe everyone's trying to build a YouTube channel. So you look through your friends, okay, who has between a hundred and 2000 YouTube subscribers? That's all building a channel and starting to put in a decent amount of work. What if you put, you know, emailed all of them and say, Hey, I would love to do a little zoom round table with eight of us. And we basically just get on a zoom call. We're not promoting it. We're not doing anything. We're just getting to know each other, checking in on how life is right now and sharing what we've learned about consistently creating videos and how to grow a YouTube channel. And I bet if you did that in today's day and age, like people being stuck at home and, and looking for a connection, people would be like, yes, I would love to show up for that. Here's a couple of times that it would work for me. And if you did one of those every week or every couple of weeks with like different pockets of groups, you'd expand your network like crazy. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, Caleb, uh, Wajik actually did a version of this, a fancy version of this where he invited some YouTubers into his studio or it might've been a YouTube space. Actually, I'm not yeah. sure. Um, and they did a round table with like, you know, seven cameras and everything. So it was a little bit more produced, but it was along the same lines of he wanted to meet or be in the same space as some of these people and invited them all to come join him. So I love that idea. The other thing I'll say is that, um, I'm going to say back in the day, but let's say 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago, when the internet was in a little bit of a different phase and blog comments were still a thing. And certainly on YouTube and Instagram, there's still some of that going on, but blog comments are definitely not still a thing for the most part. The advice was that if you showed up consistently in someone's blog content or blog comments, whose work you admired and you wanted to get close to with thoughtful commentary on the piece, or just like encouragement that you would become a known quantity to them. At least, you know, you'd become internet friends, essentially. I think the same could be true of YouTube comments, Instagram comments, and Twitter, especially yep. today. I find that Twitter is a really valuable place to, you know, meet people is probably too strong of a phrase for it. But like you were saying earlier, there is something about seeing a person consistently pop up in your Twitter feed with thoughtful commentary or responses to whatever you're talking about. And I think the same is true for any platform where people are active and there's conversation happening. The point of these tools is conversation and people rarely use it that way. It's, it's usually a megaphone or just like silent listening. But if you can be engaging with people, you can sometimes get to know them. Yep. I think that's so important. And, and uh, Twitter and the sites that still have comments are really great for if you have specific uh, feedback to put in there. Um, so on that note, Barrett, let's say we find our group, we get three to five people, which would be our recommendation. We wouldn't really go beyond five people in a mastermind group. Maybe four or five is the number that I would target. Yep. So you have those people, where would you start as far as, like forget the logistics of when we schedule our Zoom call and, and that kind of thing, but where would you start as far as actually getting the most value out of that group? What questions do you ask? What format would you follow? Yeah. So I think my favorite format that we got into during our time running a group like this was to have, um, I'd say every other week or monthly to start would be kind of the frequency. And I would 
kick it off with like, if there's four people, maybe eight minutes max of kind of a red, yellow, green, and what's the most important thing that you accomplished and what are you struggling with right now? So how are you doing? What did you accomplish since last time? What are you struggling with? And then um, on a rotating basis, and because of the rotating basis, this is sometimes why frequency being increased can be helpful because you come back around more often. But on a rotating basis, the rest of the call would be spent on what we call a hot seat, where one person would come with a business situation or a struggle that they have, and the whole group would focus on just that issue for the entire time. Let's call it 30 minutes. Or if you wanted to break it up, you could do half and half, maybe 20 minutes, 20 minutes for two hot seats on one call. And what's powerful about that is that you get all of these different minds that have different information percolating in them, focusing on one single problem that usually is solvable and that you may not be seeing clearly because you're all up in your head thinking about all the reasons why you can't do it or what's going to get in your way. And um, I think we've had a lot of breakthroughs. Like I remember one, um, hopefully this isn't too much inside baseball, so I'm sorry, James, if it is, but we were talking about um, James's book title for Atomic Habits and different options he had for that and really did a deep dive there. Or back in the day when ConvertKit was just getting started, we did one on the sub tag or the sub headline for ConvertKit. At the time, I think you were you were calling email marketing for authors, and that wasn't quite resonating the right way. And you ended up going with email marketing for bloggers out of that session, and that really helped with the positioning from there on out. So these little um, twenty to thirty minute hot seats would be the the focus that I would have in the core of our meetings on an ongoing basis. Yeah, that's good. Um, and then we we don't have too much time left, but I'd love to to touch on mastermind retreats, and maybe we can do a whole whole episode on that later. But the, I, I think that that first retreat that you put together and organized really was a turning point. And I remember actually when we were talking about ConvertKit and the, the subtitles, that was uh, in, was that in North Carolina at your parents' yep. mountain cabin? Mm-hmm. Just us, you know, everybody flew into Atlanta, you know, we all piled into a, uh, into a truck and drove up to the mountains. And we just had a really good time of actually seeing each other in person, spending time together. And it really worked to bring all the relationships to the next level. So as people are thinking about showing up in person and putting together that first retreat, what would you have them think about? Um, So I think the first thing would be having uh, food. Mm -hmm. That might seem like a weird first thing, but actually meals are when you get to know people. The sessions that you have structured are really good and helpful for business. But when it comes to connection, Sitting down to meals, I think, is incredibly important. And we still find that at our retreats for our team today. And so I'd have someone, you know, the, that first retreat, I think I was in charge of cooking for the most part. And I just put all the meals together. Someone should be in charge of planning the food, shopping and cooking, and then sit down to meals together. Right. And even if it's just like taking a box of the table topics cards with you, ask some meaningful questions every time you sit down to a meal and just go around the table and have everyone share their perspective because you'll come away feeling like, damn, that's some of the most meaningful conversation I've had in a really long time. So that would be my first tip. What's one on your end? Well, that just made me think of um, two questions that I would use. I'm trying to remember. uh, I learned both these from the Mastermind uh, Talks community. Um, But one is what's something from the last six months that you're the most proud of? And like, if you just sit down at dinner with people you don't know very well and ask that question, you'll learn so much more about them. And then the other one is also from that community, but I think it comes from Clay Hebert. And that's if we were together a year from now with a bottle of champagne, you know, what are we celebrating? Mm, I love that. And so those two questions, like give you an insight into who somebody is and then where they're trying to go. And that's perfect for a mastermind. Emily asked a great question that I want to touch on. 
because we probably have strong opinions on this of uh, <laughs> curious about if you think all masterminds should be paid or free. I have strong opinions, Barrett. Do you have equally strong opinions? <laughs> well, I don't know, <laughs> but I I'm in? interested to hear what you think. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think masterminds are super useful, uh, but I think that they should be grassroots. Uh, I think that if you have no network at all and, or maybe there's a community that you want to get into, um, a paid mastermind is an option. I would really encourage you to, to go for a free mastermind that you, uh, organize and facilitate yourself. Now I I say that and I've paid to go to plenty of uh, mastermind type conferences. You can jump into a community a lot more easily, but if you're starting out, curate that yourself, like the skills needed to introduce yourself and, and get to know people and, and be the person pulling that group together. It's going to be really, really important. And there's a lot of paid masterminds that I think are overpriced and that's not a business model that I would pursue. Um, so I would yeah. say focus on the free side. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think for it's it's often just a facilitated conversation. I'm not putting down people who lead masterminds. Like I think there are facilitators who can be exceptional. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite rare in the same way that a great business or life coach is quite rare, but they exist. I think the same is true for a mastermind facilitator. I think that the power in free comes from the intention of everyone being there. It's really hard to find the right group. And like I said, we cycled through a number of people before we landed on a core crew that stuck together for a long time. But once you find it, I think it can be way more powerful and it doesn't cost you any money. Um, It costs you time and attention and maybe money to go to retreats or whatever. But my tip for that is if you think of yourself as the driving force behind the group, you don't wait for someone else to do it. You don't begrudge the other people for not being as committed as you are. You just say, I'm going to lead this thing. I'm going to step up and be the inviter and the scheduler and the organizer and everything else. You'll be way less disappointed. And I think you'll find that every group has to have a leader anyways. There has to be a leader of the group, even if it's not a title or anything like that. I think you'll find a lot of power in that. Yeah. And probably the other thing is uh, paid is a good yeah, a good gate uh, for that. Or people saying like, am I committed enough or any of that? But you don't need the money necessarily to be going to someone. It's not like, okay, now that, like I pulled the five of you together and you all now owe me $500 for the work that I'm doing to facilitate this. But if you want people to be committed, then you could say, okay, we are going to pay $250 each or $500 each to join into this. And that money is going to go into the fund for a first retreat or something that we're all going to do collectively so it, it's still very pure run and we're all taking responsibility for it. We're not just like showing up and be like, I don't know, I paid this money, you run the thing. But we're also have that buy-in and, and we're moving towards uh, something really exciting there. Yep, totally. Okay, let's jump into uh, creators of the day. That wraps up our conversation on mastermind groups. Um, I posted a couple of links. We'll add them in, add them in the show notes on uh, how to start a mastermind group from me, how to run a mastermind group retreat from me. Nathan's got a great article on unsolicited feedback, which is one of the exercises that we we started as a mastermind group and have now brought into ConvertKit that we'll post as well because that's another good one. Um, creators of the day, uh, Nathan, you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? I'll go first. Um, so I'm going to... Pick someone who I work with all the time, uh, but I think you all should follow. And that's Derek Hicks. So he's our director of marketing at ConvertKit. Um, we have this value at ConvertKit of work in public, you know, sharing what we're learning and all of that. And Derek has uh, started to do that. So he started his own email list. Uh, if you go to Derek Hicks, uh, and Derek is D-E-R-R-I-C-K. So DerekHicks.ck.page, you can check out his uh, landing page, his newsletter there. It's just been fun to see him put out more content, 
um, on leadership and leading a remote team and uh, all of that. He's been publishing it on LinkedIn and on other platforms. So definitely check out his stuff. Agreed. Love his stuff. Uh, he also has has been a creator himself in a variety of different ways, but um, as a drummer, especially. So he, he loves the music space. Okay. Mine for the day is a good friend of mine. Actually, we go all the way back to college and then randomly both ended up moving out here to Portland. Um, her name's Lindsay Gilmore and she is uh, an artist. She's been an illustrator in the past and now has moved into more fine art. And if you're looking for kind of like accent pieces for your home, um, literally painted canvases, they're beautiful. She's also got a great print shop of um, some of her illustrations. She's got like the seven wonder, seven natural wonders of Oregon, the bridges of Oregon and other things like that. But um, her art's gorgeous. I love her stuff because it was so human, the journey she went through just getting to the point where she was willing to say she was an artist, not just an illustrator, you know? And now her work sells out almost immediately when she launches it, which I just think is fantastic. It's a great example of why even when inside you might have some doubts, putting it out there can show you just how much support you have for your work and how good you are when you get out of that kind of self-doubt mindset. So that's awesome. Love Lindsay's work. Hope you'll check her out. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love love just the idea of things selling out. And so I really want to get into a business. There's a lot of reasons that I don't want to get into this business, but I really want to get into a business that has like a limited inventory to do like these short runs of whether it's prints or art or woodworking things or whatever. Cause I just love the idea of this rabid fan base. that's so excited for what you have and you're like, okay, and there's 10 of these and go. Um, so sometime I'll do a business like that. Uh, when it comes to resources of the day, um, now with working out at home, uh, I bought a pull-up bar. And I was going to link to the specific one, but it's sold out on Amazon now because everyone is apparently setting up home gyms. But I spent about a hundred bucks, got a good pull-up bar that mounts to the wall, a nice, really sturdy one, like at the gym, not like one of those little flimsy ones that goes in the doorway. And uh, today was the first day of using it. Pretty happy about it. When I walk from my office into the main house, I have to walk right by it. So I'm up to 40 pull-ups so far today just because I do a set of eight or so each time I walk by and it's been great. So that's definitely a life improvement for me. So if you find a way to get one of those and you have a spot to put it, highly recommended. Love it. Um, I had one resource down, but I'm actually going to say another one that's more applicable today. One of the most, I keep a stack of the books that have been most impactful to my life and approach to work. One of them is called Give and Take by uh, Adam Grant. And I think when it comes to mastermind groups, it is the perfect anthology for building relationships in a way that would make people want to spend time with you on a consistent basis. So I would definitely suggest that one. It's in my short stack of the best books I've ever read. And I think it'll maybe change your approach to how you build relationships. If for no other reason than not to let people take advantage of you, which is the hook of the whole book. That's good. Yeah. Adam Grant's work is uh, fantastic. I love that. Well, as we wrap up, um, you know, we're talking about masterminds and all of that and, and, uh, there's this idea that everyone talks about that probably people think is overplayed of like you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with the most. And, and I would just say that it's not overplayed. Like that is actually the truth. And so, you know, as we wrap up, just think about being really deliberate with who you're going to put into your community, where you want to go, who you're going to surround yourself with and seek those people out because those random people that you follow on Twitter and think do really cool work they can be your friends and they can be 
the people who encourage you through tough times and all of that. You just have to take that first step, get to know them, invite them to do, you know, a little round table or something like that and see if it develops into a mastermind group. Yeah, I would just say be really careful because you might end up running a software company and doing doing a daily podcast with them. So you never know. What you're yeah, get. that's right. <laughs> All right. On that note, before uh, Barrett does anything to insult me, uh, we're going to wrap up. Hope you have a great rest of the day and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today.